It's dash decent of you to come all this way to see an old friend. Not at all, Sir Jeremy. It's very kind of you to offer to press the button today. Well, where do we start, then? Well, uh, right here with the, uh, the button. Normally. Capital. There, that's it. I bet our listeners are very excited to hear what you picked today. And where might they be? Is it, um, safe to talk? Oh, quite safe, yes. They're all jolly good people. Well, all except that one, of course. Who is this blackguard? Well, it's... Oh, no time to go into that now. We've got the printout to look at. Good luck, old man. Uh, let's see... Oh. Found something? Yes, forget luck. Skill is what's called for today. It's one of my favourite episodes from one of my very favourite shows. Here's Joe 90 with The Race. It hardly seems possible. Sir Jeremy Odge, thank you very much indeed. You would have succeeded without me. Well, that really is jolly sporting of you, old boy. I say, open this door at once. We're British. So, welcome back to Joe 90 on The Randomizer, and a very clever opening to this episode, as we go straight from the opening titles into the episode itself. This was something they did on uh, on the first and second episodes in production order. It's been a while since they did it here. Actually incorporate... Hi, Joe. The transfer's complete. ...the title sequence into the story itself. I think that is such a clever idea. By the morning. And I wish they'd done it more often. To bed. Okay, Dad. And Joe, don't forget these. But whenever they do it, it's always so clever, especially this coming... Uh, this is episode, I think, 17 or 18. So it's quite a long way from the start of the show. And it's just... It's slightly unsettling, and then you realise what's going on. Oh, right, that actually was... That is part of the story, that Joe has just been given a brain pattern, and now he's been given his glasses, and it's off to bed. And uh, I believe originally, um, uh, Tony Barwick, for it is he... His uh, script for this story uh, didn't include this uh, this opening scene, and possibly did not include the uh, the the end scene to this episode uh, uh, as a consequence, because we see that uh, Mac and Joe with his glasses on, they're uh, each in their rooms asleep, but Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo, they're both having a dream. Swim the race. Must win the race. They both seem to be having the same dream. Glass. The road's like glass. Look out! Look out! And that uh, the road's like glass line does not appear in in the uh, the dream itself. For this is a dream episode, but uh, it almost need not be. Then I reckon World Intelligence London is obsolete. Because there's nothing in here that's especially outlandish as as a story idea. And some of your men can be absorbed. Absorb. It's not like in Stingray where you'd have shrinking or um, underwater palaces and cavemen and such. More efficient? Weston, you've got a bad habit there, repeating everything I say. It's the sign of a sloppy mind. Sloppy mind? But instantly a, a lovely antagonistic relationship and rivalry established between uh, Shane Weston here and... Uh, Army are going to take over. This is General... Uh, this is... Oh, I've forgotten this character's name. Can't match the manpower and resources of the army. The army absorbs this department over my dead body. Colonel Army Guy, uh, as played by Jeremy Wilkin. Well, I figured. I've never backed down from a fight. Neither have I. All right, Mr. Weston. I think I know a way we can settle our little difference. Oh, it's General Tempest, I believe. Good. No relation. We do. So, yep, nice rivalry established there and a challenge of some sort being made. Agreed, Chief. Yes, I agreed. That General Tempest needs taking down a peg or two. But you don't seriously think the army could take over WIN London? No, 
but the general does have a lot of influential friends. He could make trouble. And if we win, the general will forget this takeover idea? If we win? Where's your confidence, Sam? When we win. And something I love with this episode is uh, the leader of each each side is really dedicated and determined to, to be the victor. And everyone else really isn't bothered. Now, Clooney, for the purposes of this exercise, I'm promoting... General Tempest, um, he's got Captain Grey as a... Be quiet, Lieutenant. As Lieutenant Burns. Major? And here's Gary Files as... Uh, don't know what to say. Private, now Major Clooney. Major, you better go and get the U87 ready. Yes, sir. Dismiss, Major. And Clooney is a very nice-looking puppet. You don't immediately realise that... Uh, you have seen him before in Captain Scarlet, even though you might not recognise him. He was one of the bank robbers in uh, Heart of New York. But he's had a, a change of hair since then. He's got a new wig. And it suits him much better than the uh, the blonde hair he used to sport. We've got ourselves into a race with the army. That's it. London to Monte Carlo. Sounds like an extended paper chase to me. It'll be a test of initiative, Professor, as well as speed and endurance. It could be great fun, Mr. Weston. Fun, Joe. We should never have allowed ourselves to be talked into this. Sam, how can we lose with a team like ours? I also love that Joe is on board with the idea of the thing as well. Our team. Why, you and I, Professor. And our trump card, last year's winner of the Monte Carlo Rally, Joe 90. Get it? That's nice. And this is a nice vehicle as well that the, uh, the jet air car is going to be racing against, the U87. If he loses, he'll sign a recommendation that military intelligence take over WIN London. Have we any idea what type of vehicle they'll be using? I don't know, but you can bet it'll be no match for ours. Hey, Major Clooney. It looks a lot like the uh, explosives truck from uh, Colonel McLean, except it's it's big enough to hold three people in the cab. Here we come. I'm really quite excited about it all. So am I, Dad. And it's a lovely idea for a story, and it's not the kind of thing that that has come up before in the supermarionation world you would think that an idea of just a simple race it's such a simple idea why did they never do something like this in in thunderbirds for instance when general tempest is around yes i have just remembered moving your dead but you know it's like the rules there were slightly different here it's like you know it's not a, a death race with blood and entrails being spewed all over the racetrack it may have happened elsewhere, but uh, I do think it's it's lovely the way it's executed here. And here we see General Tempest's uh, superior is also completely uninterested by this uh, vendetta he's got against Shane Weston. This is Sam Luber, World Intelligence. Luber, your boss hasn't thrown in the towel already, has he? I shouldn't think so, General. And another lovely set, this dilapidated old barn that this race is uh, launching from. Again, if this barn was especially created for this episode, someone's gone to enormous trouble to paint that to look so old and authentic. Hey, Weston, what's that you've got there? May I introduce my team, Professor McLean, and his son, Joe? You've got to be joking. You call that boy a genuine member of world intelligence and... He is. He's Wynn's most special agent. Where's your team? Right there. Lieutenant Burns and Clooney. Major Clooney. If he's a major, 
Why is he wearing a private uniform? I promoted him this morning. Okay, General. This is a lovely comedic episode as well. I love that you have that shot of Lieutenant Burns looking, you know, heroic and, and soldierly as he would because he's Captain Grey. And you have Clooney standing next to him with his head at a cockeyed angle. Root and the information you must stop and find on the way is in them. Stick to the rules of this contest, and the first team in Monte Carlo with the correct answers to the questions wins. Yeah, because it's not just a straight race. There's a bit of a scavenger hunt element involved here as well. Get to your vehicles. A helijet will pick us up in 30 minutes. Take us to Monte Carlo to see the finish. Fine. Well, I'll get them started. We'll have to spend an afternoon in Monte Carlo together. Lovely music as well for this episode, especially composed to Barry Gray score for this one. Again, I think it shows that uh, I don't know whether you know to what extent they would have issued Barry Gray with the instruction we need new music for this story, or if he would have been able to look at upcoming episodes and think, ah, that would be a good one to do music for. That's it. Sam Louver has uh, dropped the flag, and a, a, another lovely. The first shot of the race is of the two puppet-sized vehicle cabs. Um trying to keep level with each other and eventually the U87 passes them but that's just that's five puppets on two different model sets having to be moved up and down it's just oh I can't even begin to work out how they did that but it looks so impressive let me pass Roadhog I also love on some of these Joe 90 roads and particularly you notice in uh, in HD that the roads only extend so far there is clearly an end to the set not that you can like see the edge of the set you can just see there's no more road there's just a load of greenery ahead so now the U87 is stopping to find the first clue is this the bridge lieutenant yes sir we have to find the air it was built the date will probably be carved in the stonework somewhere I love Keith Alexander's voice for this Lieutenant Burns character as well. He's like, oh, well, I don't know. Sort of strained. Yes, General, sir. It, it, I don't know. It it makes him feel a bit more real against the uh, comedy antics of Clooney and, and Tempest to a lesser extent. The opposition, sir. Yeah. They may have taken the wrong road back there where I had the signpost switched. Oh, he's a bounder. Old's barred. Remember? He's a bounder and a cad. It sent them on the wrong road. Who's navigating this trip? Oh, Joe's navigating. Yes, I've checked the map, and there's only one explanation. I'm useless. We switched round. That two-timing general. We'll lose too many miles if we have to go back. There's no need. We can turn off along here and pick up the coast road. What about the first question? The age of the bridge. That's the Oldchester Bridge, built 1890. It's a well-known rally point. That's my boy. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I find that kind of disturbing, actually, when when Shane and I think Sam Louver in another episode says, "That's my boy." It's like you know, we bought the deed to you, Joe. We now own you, body and soul. Well, eighteen ninety. Would you believe it? What kept you? I got to talking to this guy, a fisherman. He told me the date and all about the bridge. Very interesting. Clooney, this is supposed to be... Oh, Clooney. Social outing. Get in and drive. You're a lovely guest character. But again, this this angle of uh, finding out the date the bridge was, was built and such, it wouldn't necessarily fly today because uh, you just look it up on your phone. 
Anyway, the jet air car has driven straight off the cliff because it has wings. It's driven straight off the edge of the cliff. What? Mm. Western son of a gun. That heap of iron must be able to fly. What are we going to do, sir? Well, as I told the opposition, no holes barred. Arm the missile. Airport. Monte Carlo, here we come. So this is presumably... This is... The race is starting in... In England. Ending in Monte Carlo. Um, yeah, how did that... Nobody seems to have planned... Well, no, the U87 crew certainly don't seem to have planned for the fact that they would have needed to cross the channel at some point. But of course our hero's prepared for it. Meanwhile, the U87 arrives at, I believe, the same model set from uh, Colonel McLean. And we can see uh, a couple of recognisable Captain Scarlet planes in the background there. I think that's the... Uh, the is it AV-21, is that the plane from uh, Splashdown? You see a few times in this show. Ah, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the heck out of this. Now we are in France, apparently. Well, we seem to have got a good lead. We'll take a ten-minute break and change drivers. I hmm. checked on the what could go wrong? I tried at Calais as we came through. We'll find the answer to the next question at the old ruin abbey at Fonte. Oh, here they come. Where in tarnation did they come from? Well, if you if you're gonna stop and have a break. To see us. <laughs> you see their faces? That twisting, scheming. Steady, Mr. Weston. No holds barred, remember? Again, not only is Clooney a really nice character in the the idea of the character and the look of the character, the voice is brilliant as well from Gary Files there. The, the, the yokel soldier. What, what is he even doing in the army? In that cheating general, calling up the army weather station. Son, you're a major now. How do you ever expect to make general thinking things like that? I see that, sir. <laughs> oh. You suppose I ever will make general? General? Clooney, when we win this race, you'll stay major for about two minutes. That's a promise. Why, thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, poor Clooney. Again, I, I love as well that this is a Tony Barwick script, and uh, often the strength of his writing is in the humour, and that's a kind of joke that um, I don't know how many children would get. It is pitched at a slightly older audience. According to my calculations, oh, we should lovely. save about 10 kilometres. Car is now leaving the uh, ruined abbey, having presumably found the clue. Fonte Abbey, yes. The U87 is just arriving. Okay, let's go find the clue. All right, Clooney, move! A very nice trio of guest characters here. Again, when, when guest characters work on these shows, it's such a shame that you know you're only going to see them for one episode. Kinda spooky in here, General. All right, Clooney. The clue's supposed to be in a niche below the Crosses and David. Here they are in the... Uh, the Ruined Abbey, Tempest and Clooney, and I believe this set appeared in another episode? Uh, I want to say either The Unorthodox Shepherd or More Haste, Less Speed. You mean put my head in? Because this is a little niche where the uh, clue is hidden. Or was hidden, I should say, because uh, Shane Weston has uh, got to it already. What have you found, sir? I'm sure that that's visible in another episode. Another cellar or basement or something. Fine. What does it say, General? Sorry to disappoint you, General. Keep looking, Weston. 
It says you're an imbecile, Clooney. Yes, sir. <laughs> Gorgeous puppetry on the on the Clooney saluting there. The mountain soon. That's got to be uh, that's got to be someone working the the hand there. With you driving now, Joe Ninety, we're gonna make it. Are you insinuating? No, 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 no. Have a cigar, Professor. <sighs> Nothing like a premature victory. We wasted an hour at those ruins. Just wait till I see Weston putting the clue halfway up a 20-foot wall. They must have a good lead, sir. I think they may find they get delayed. Oh, who's going to delay them? Why, it's none other than Captain Magenta. We have our orders. They wouldn't come from a general tempest by any chance. I'm sorry, that is classified information. Voiced by Rupert Davies. You are not carrying explosives. As a French police officer, I've always wondered if... Uh, that little bit of casting was in, in some way reflective of his role as, uh, as Maygrey. Talking of the general, here he comes now. Just wait for that greasy smile. Greasy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Davies didn't voice any other characters in the show. No, he did. He did. No. Call your goons off, Tempest. I don't quite But not many. Roadblock. Supposedly looking for explosives. Oh, there must be some mistake. Lieutenant? Oui, General. I can vouch for my friends here. Remove the roadblock. Oui, General. French police are so helpful. Finish that I anticipated. We can still beat you if you play it straight. Why not? Now, uh... I have the U-80... Ready to restart the race? Specially designed for mountain roads. And Major Clooney handles it like a charm. Right. It's 50 miles to Monte Carlo. Let's make it a straight race. Son of a gun. You're on. I just hope the road doesn't turn out to be like glass, but I'm sure it won't. Oh, the police were blocking the road with an explosive struck from Colonel McLean. Yes, sir. Oh. I'm ready to go. Okay, Joe. Remember, you have the knowledge and experience of a top rally driver. The U87's faster. But I'm betting we've got the better driver. Because if we haven't, my God, your life is not going to be worth living. That's it. Magenta's fired his gun into the air. No doubt shot down a passing a helicopter or something. And again, we get this lovely image of the two puppet vehicle cabs. Yes, sir. Trying to pass each other. U87's already taken the lead. Come on, Joe. Don't let him get away from you. If I can slipstream him all the way, we've got a chance. That doesn't sound likely to succeed, but uh, you know, you're the one with the brain pattern. Oh, stock footage. Lovely stock footage. I wonder where this has come from. And this music really helps sell it. I'm so glad this episode got its own... Uh, and special score. It does lend a lovely, not just an air of importance, but also a sense of fun and playfulness to the whole story that I think is one of the real strengths of it. Come on, Joe Knighty! Oh, watch the drop, Tony. It's a long way down. There's quite a bit of stock footage of the roads here. Another lovely shot of the, uh, Faster. the two models trying to uh, trying to overtake each other. There's a long bend just ahead. I'm going to try and take them there. 
For never have we seen vehicles on uh, mountain roads in Jerry Anderson shows stay on those mountain roads for so long without falling off and crashing in a horrible fireball. Lovely model sets here as well, though. And the jet air car is almost passing as they approach a tunnel. Is it going to make it? Seems to be creeping up in front. That's it. As they round the bend, the jet air car has overtaken the U87. There's a tunnel, and the jet air car got in first. Tunnel's only wide enough for one vehicle, so they have now taken the lead. Piece of driving I've ever seen. Ah. <sighs> I do have to wonder, though, um... It, Joe. We're gonna win! Why this episode needed to be a dream episode, beyond the uh, somewhat un unlikely scenario that uh, the army would have absorbed WIN at any point. Or at least WIN London only seemed to be the threat. While I make it world intelligence to the winners, by about eight feet. There's no reason for this to be a dream. Why is the dream template here? Uh, although, as we later discover... It's going to set up material for another story. Western. And there was uh, Monte Carlo as represented by stock footage from Thunderbirds. Um, I believe the man from MI5. Like that, General. Thanks, Joe. You were just great. Yay. Can I have some more ice cream, please, Mr. Weston? Of course you can. Garçon? I've been thinking, General. All right, Clooney. Hit me. Oh. Monte Carlo's a great place. Yeah, we're all having a nice dinner together. No hard feelings. Man, we'll soon be needing a new CNC. General Carter is retired. And Mediterranean HQ is in Monte Carlo. Clooney, you're not quite so dumb as you make out. Why, General? Us mountain boys was always noted for our intelligence. How's the ice cream, Joe? Fine, Major Clooney. Just fine. That's it. It was all a dream. And then everyone started to laugh. Didn't need to be, but uh, hey-ho. We just laughed and laughed, Dad. Yes, the tears were running down your cheeks, weren't they? That's right, Dad. Joe, you know what this means? Not exactly. Well, last night, when I gave you my brain pattern, we both had a dream. And the dream you had was exactly the same in every detail as mine. Well, it's a lovely idea. Means that the big rat can not only transfer the knowledge and experience of one brain to another, but also the patterns of the subconscious. Joe, we've made a very exciting discovery. And I'm extremely lucky that you didn't have a slightly more, uh, shall we say, adult dream than the one uh, that you had, because that could have very easily have gone wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, putting aside the, the dream frame framework thing, which I'm not 100% I'm not on board with because I don't really see the point of it, but it is a nice idea to end on that note of, we've made a discovery. This is a, this is a development. And I think possibly uniquely for an Anderson show, or at least a Super Mario Nation show, at least this show, that development is followed up on in a later episode. Talk Down, the, the um, uh, episode with the, the pilot with the mental block on landing that he passes to Joe when they record the brain pattern. So... Uh, that was the race. Uh, I hope you can tell from the way I've been talking about it that even for a Joe 90 episode, I've got a lot of time for this one. It's that nice, uh, that very nice mix of uh, adventure and silliness that I think uh, makes this show work as, as well as it does so often. Uh, you know, Tony Barwick always delivering the goods with this show. Um, the fact that it's a dream... Well, it doesn't really work against it. I just don't really see the point, especially as um, yeah, that... 
possibly means that uh, General Tempest and uh, especially poor old Major Clooney never existed. Well now, sir, I say, sir, that's not good that Major Clooney did not exist. Because I like him an awful lot. I like Clooney, I like all these characters, I love this show, and I love this particular episode. 